Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday night, and that means this is the uh, Longhorn live stream. I'm Ray Peters, and I'm here alongside Rod Babers and Justin Wells, and we always talk about Texas football on these chats on Wednesday nights. But uh, tell you what, you got some baseball fans here as well, and we're a little bit distracted. So there's uh, if we start turning our heads a little bit, start looking at TV screens for scores and things along those lines, please uh, don't be offended because we're checking out how the uh, – Astros and the Twins are doing in a one series, and I know the Phillies and the Braves are going at it in the uh, National League. And our producer Matthews, a giant Phils fan, so he's uh, hopefully he'll uh, uh, pay attention to when I request uh, some uh, questions and the like there. But uh, Matthew always does an amazing job. But we're glad you're here, and uh, we've already got some uh, questions coming in and some greetings there. And uh, so Orlando there says, uh, "Let's hear some good news." and uh, I did see a comment from Jerome S. at 6.57 p.m. And uh, you know what? He might be a little bit further down the road of recovery than I am. But uh, he says, okay, I've recovered, <laughs> ready to talk Longhorn football again. Obviously, last Saturday didn't come out the way Longhorn fans wanted. We uh, dropped one to uh, Oklahoma, 34-30. Great game. I mean, everybody has to admit it was a hell of a football game we watched. But mm -hmm. uh, we wanted it to turn out a little bit differently. So, uh Rod, Justin, I'll just throw it to you guys. You're our football experts here. Um, Rod, let's start with you. When you go through such an emotional battle like that, and it's just uh, inherently loaded with just about everything you could uh, want in a college football game, uh, the Red River rivalry, shootout, whatever you want to call it, the 50-50 hmm. split, all the emotion, the history. Yeah. Uh, how do you play a game like that with so much emotion? and then not let that kind of weigh you down moving forward. What do you do to uh, kind of put that behind you and uh, take on the uh, next challenge? Yeah, uh, I've been on the losing end of this very uh, emotionally charged <laughs> game, right, this marquee game. And uh, my man Jerry Hamilton made a great point. We were talking about this. And he said, honestly, and, and I totally agree, it feels like you. It feels like the season's over, actually, because there's so much pageantry associated with the game. The, it, it, if both teams are really good, like they were this year, the college football world is watching, right? It's in a neutral site, fans split down the middle at the Texas State Fair. It feels like a postseason game, like a championship game of some sort. Um, and with everything that's on the line, the other team being kind of catapulted into the national championship conversation at that point. Uh, and honestly, whoever performs well in that game, there's, there's always Heisman conversations about that person if they play well in this big game. So when you lose it and there's that emotional letdown, after riding that emotional high for that entire week and even through that game, it can feel like it's the end of the season. Um, but I will say that my experience has been when I played on teams that had great leadership and we had that Oklahoma loss, which unfortunately happened to good teams that I was on, really good teams. We won 11 games uh, and a couple of our, our losses, whereas one of those losses be the Oklahoma game. And we always went on winning streaks afterwards. We actually had some of our best winning streaks after losing in the Oklahoma game, um, five, six game winning streaks. And usually it's because of great leadership. Uh, and I think this team does have really good football character. I think they've proven that through the first uh, six games with their way to battle adversity, the way they show up in the second half. Um, they fix problems um, that week to week. Uh, that have existed. They fixed the problems week to week. They don't seem to be systemic. So I think they got good football character. I think that the, the, the issues that cost them this game will be addressed. They're not going to solve all their problems. They're going to be a perfect team. Not, they won't be flawless, but I do think this team will be better next week. And uh, I do think you know, we'll see another we'll see a winning streak um, from this team. Hopefully a winning streak long enough to get them to the Big 12 title game. You know, Ray, I kind of... Justin, I'll let you get going here in just a second. Okay. 
go ahead. But uh, Mac always said, never let that well same team beat you twice. Yep. So that was always his famous thing. You never let the, you know, the loss uh, get you next time. Justin, I apologize, buddy. Go ahead, sir. No, 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 no. You, you, you're the man leading the way. I'm just, I'm just here paying the rent um, or paying my bill. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I want to kind of get Rod's take, but you know, there were three takeaways for me from this Texas OU. One, the first six minutes was like a drug. Like I can't remember more things happening in a six-minute window, sometimes that doesn't happen in the course of an entire game. I think the emotions were so high. I think Texas fans underestimated Oklahoma's vigor and, and want to come back and fight, fist fight, because of what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And they took it on the chin. Now, Quinn yeah. those two early picks, and you give them field position, and you don't capitalize on the, 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 the snap over Gabriel's head. You run it to the punter. That's 14 points right there. That would have changed everything. But that first six minutes, I thought, set the tone. I thought Oklahoma brought more motion, and it took Texas a little while to kind of catch up. The goal line stand, that to me was the antithesis of the game. You're on the two, you got four plays, and you can't get in there. And even Sark questioned the play calling. He's, man, we, we, mm-hmm. we, 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 went, we should have done something earlier. Um, that to me, because all it did was fuel Oklahoma's confidence, like, Texas was leaning on the Sooners. They were starting to not some, so much pull away, but get into a position to where they start out-talenting them. And that thing, all that did was rev them back up. I, I, I thought that was a huge momentum boost for Oklahoma. And lastly, the last three possessions before the last one for Oklahoma, Texas had stops. I thought PK figured them out. Okay, three straight stops. That's what Jalen Ford said after the game. When Bert Auburn hit that field goal, we we knew we just need one more stop. We had just gotten a few of them. We had kind of figured some stuff out. All we needed was that one stop. And why they didn't do the same thing on defense, that, that last drive that they did the previous three, blows me away. Talking to a corner, why is Malik Muhammad 12 yards off of a receiver? I understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, prevent defense, prevent you from winning. That's an old thing from the 80s and 90s. I don't even know if they use prevent defense anymore, to be honest. No, I don't think they do. But it does sound funny. But mm. playing 12 <laughs> yards off, you know what happened on that last drive? I see it every summer. It's called seven on seven. And that's exactly what Dylan Gabriel did. I don't think Texas fans gave that guy enough credit. 45 career starts. You start college football game 45 times, you have enough experience to overcome anything you may be bad at. Mm-hmm. And those were like kind of my three takeaways, essentially. I thought that first six minutes really set the tone. I thought that goal line stand really gave Oklahoma the, okay, we can win this mentality mentally in their mind. And then that last drive, for whatever reason, the lack of being able to get to the quarterback, playing so playing off of the – there's no reason to play off a guy like that when you have a Terrence Brooks and a Malik Muhammad. I get it a little bit with a Gavin Holmes, who's not as much of a technician as the others. Not those two. And so, but what a game. What a game. And you know how you can tell? Because recruits, even with Texas losing, were talking up Texas when they left. I had a handful of big-time 2025s tell me they thought Texas was the better team. They just made so many mistakes and Oklahoma capitalized. And so, at the end of the day, I agree with what Rod, you know, you, you got to get that. You got It feels like the end of the season. And Mac, used to, didn't he used to break it down like you got the first half of the he season? Did. Yeah. And you, you start a whole new season. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure exactly. those guys will have something similar. But let me tell you this. This bye week could not have come at a better time for Kelvin Banks, 
for C.J. Baxter, for Jake Majors, for Jatavian Sanders. Um, and I know Ryan Watts. Listen, this bye week came at the right time. And I'm not hearing the mash, uh, you know, the 70s show mash. I'm not hearing that, 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 that show music yet. But, buddy, this bye week could not have come any quicker. Suicide is painless. That's it. That's the name hey, of the Rod, song. Uh, let's re- that's the name of the song, revisit. right? That's the name of the yeah, Nash song. Hey, hey, that is so uh, morbid, but it's pretty right. <laughs> yeah. you, hey, Rod, could you revisit kind of what Justin was talking about then that last minute 17? I don't know. Essentially, three yeah. plays got him down there, right? Yeah, and okay, so basically you talk about the last – they ran five plays, but six total with the penalty included. And here's where I stand. First of all, Justin, I'll address what you talked about, about the DBs, why they're so far off. And here's what I think they were told based on my experience as a DB in those situations. Right. And I know a DB coach said it. I just don't know who said it or a defensive coach said it. I don't know who said it. Those dreaded words, don't let anybody get behind you. And I know they said to the guys, hey, guys, nobody behind you. Don't let anybody get behind you. And yes, and obviously it makes sense. You don't want anybody to get deep on you in that situation. But I think for young players, for young DBs, all they hear is, if I keep the guy in front of me, then I did my job. When in reality, he's like, no, I still want you to go out there and cover that guy. We got, and, and what I would tell young because they had two deep safeties. They were, I think for a lot of them, they were having two deep safeties until they had the miscommunication where Drake Stoops gets the long catch. And remember, the, even Sark said, the safeties were playing a different coverage than the corners. Yeah. Um, they, were, they were trying to keep a top on the defense. I think when you tell the young DBs, don't let anybody behind you, you almost take away their aggressiveness and they play conservative. And that's why the DBs were so far out here. Manny Muhammad missed a tackle on a long throw, a long curl route. You remember that? He threw it to the yes. wide side of the field and he was so far off. He couldn't even close to make the tackle. That's how far off. He was. I thought it was going to be a pick. I was like, Damn, that's a long throw. No, nope, he couldn't even get there. So I think the guys were basically thinking, if I keep them in front of me, then I did my job. And if I was tell the young guys, I'd be like, hey, man, I need you to go out there and make plays on the football. I'll have you a safety over the top. I'll make sure there's a safety right. over right. the top. But I can't I can't have you going out there, just like you said, playing seven on seven and giving up easy completions. Guys, it took them five plays, six if you include the penalty, to go uh, the length, basically that length of the field in, what, 62 seconds, I believe it was. Um, and honestly, the truth is the defense – they were their own worst enemy. So on th- basically on three of those six plays, the defense either missed a tackle, had a had a coverage breakdown or a coverage bust, yeah. and or lost gap integrity because you had multiple guys in the same gap. Three of the six plays, guys, and one time you had multiple brust and breakdown on the touchdown play because Benda on the back end missed the check from Derek Williams to bump the coverage. And yep. then you also had on the on the on the front, they blitzed for the first time on that drive and Terrence Brooks blitz, but and also you had him and um uh Burke going through the same gap. They were on this that's what Sark was talking about the guys in the same gap. They were both in the C gap. The truth is Dylan Gabriel, go look at him. His window is that B gap, that guard looking for somebody to block. He does. There's a good chance that if Terrence Brooks and Burke aren't in the same gap, one of them gets a free shot at Dylan Gabriel, at least forces him to have to change platform, to have to move. That throw wouldn't have been so accurate. He would have have been under duress at the time. Um, So if one of those things is corrected or one of those things is not a breakdown on that last play, there's a really good chance that Oklahoma doesn't score. But you had two multiple breakdowns, and they were – Crucial at the most crucial point. 
Yeah, that's when Sarkeesian in the news conference said uh, one guy could block two when you yep. take the left tackle. Rouse did. The left tackle blocked two yeah, guys did. on the game-winning touchdown. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're saying hey, Matthew, Super Chats coming in. We really appreciate that. And, again, uh, the Super Chat is your way to uh, kind of uh, jump to the front of the line, and we really are uh, grateful for those. Uh, it's Lep will uh, start the way. And this is essentially just a greeting, and he likes what we do. So It's Lep uh, with the Super Chat says, hey, guys, just want to say love everything y'all do. He watches every day from Shreveport, Louisiana, and says it's hard being a Longhorn in LSU's backyard. Justin, I heard you the other day say Shreveport was almost like a second home to you for a while, right? Man, I love me some I love me some Shreveport, and I'm really liking this it's left <laughs> guy. We sure do appreciate it. Hey, if you're at Inside Texas today, I posted a story about James Simon. He's out of Shreveport, Calvary Baptist, 2025 four-star tailbacks, been talking to Texas for a minute. He went to AM last weekend. He's gonna be November 4th in Austin for Texas, Kansas State. Devin Harper, uh, a 2025 offensive lineman from Captain Shreve over in Shreveport. He's also going to be looking at making another return. And so I might have to make my way back down to Shreveport. I'm a Ralph and Cuckoo's guy. Get me some of that some of that fried uh, alligator. Give me plenty of, uh, of, of, of gumbo, and, and I'll be a happy man. It's left. We sure appreciate you. <laughs> hey, it's left, man. It's crazy because my mom and daddy both swamp people. My mama do her grocery shopping. In Shreveport, Louisiana, I got family there in Mansfield, got family in Cachata. Oh, man, I'm second-generation swamp people left, so I appreciate that, man. My, you and my mama probably <laughs> ran across each other somewhere in Shreveport, man. That's for real. Now, here's the weird anomaly in this whole conversation. I grew up in Tyler, Texas, 18 years there, summers when I was in college at Texas. I've never once been 100 miles east of Shreveport. I don't know how I, I still don't know how that happened, but I have no reason, I guess, to uh, go there now unless I want to go. Never went to the boats. My buddy it slept. It like, Did you never ever go to the boats? So I need to do that. Oh, what yeah. are these? I've never been there, man. Never been there. I now, go for go the show. Braylon Barnes. Braylon Barnes. Mm -hmm. It shows that I have been to Shreveport. Is that what you said? Yeah, I, I, they got great concerts over there in that. that, that, I, that I guess uh, I'm offended by that, but that's okay. What was no, that arena that used to the Shreveport Mudbugs play? No, I, I know Shreveport's a pretty cool place. Nice. But I'm not going to the boats. Hey, yeah, Braylon Barnes with the Super Chat. There you go. Oh, yeah, you can't uh, do that. No, I was too young to be going gambling. I don't think gambling existed when I was uh, in back in that neighborhood in, anyway. Braylon Barnes with the Super Chat. So uh, let's uh, put our projection helmets on here. What's the outlook for Texas in the college football playoff if Kansas – upsets Oklahoma and wins out. Does that devalue our loss in the Red River? Kansas versus Texas for the Big 12 title. I, I guess it was uh, Jerry and Justin, maybe you feel this way too. I know I heard somebody say that we've become the world's biggest Oklahoma fans until we get another shot at them, right? Is that your perspective as well? I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I don't know about all that. Yeah. This isn't the SEC where you root for everybody and, in, and anybody just because you're in the same conference. Um, oh, hold up, hold up. First of all, don't y'all want – okay, see, let me play devil's advocate here. I would love – The higher ranked team, right? Man. Don't we want revenge on Oklahoma? We all want revenge, right? They want 2018, revenge. Rod. Yeah, you want revenge. But the revenge would be so much sweeter if you could spoil Oklahoma's national championship hopes – whilst also catapulting yourself 
into the college football playoff discussion. The only way that happens is if Oklahoma remains undefeated until we can knock them off. So I will say I am rooting for Oklahoma because I want an undefeated Oklahoma feeling their best and feeling like they got the, you know, the world, right? The world in front of them and they can win a national title and Texas not only boom, burst that bubble, but then Texas gets to replace them in the college football playoff. That's what I want. So I'm rooting for Oklahoma. Sorry to say it. I'm rooting for the Sooners. That only works out if we take care of business though. Amen. Amen. Or Or else they take that TCU. It doesn't matter if they lose in the conference game, pass into the final four, depending on how everybody else in the country does but yeah if we take care of business the rest of the way and the only thing that we have the only blemish on our schedule is that red river rivalry game then yeah i think that happens so i would much rather uh, texas play oklahoma in december than kansas again because kansas will have jalen daniels healthy i'd much rather face dylan gabriel a second time than jalen daniels a first time hey justin what do you think about this theory my theory was that I think Texas has a better game plan in the Oklahoma game if they had played Jalen Daniels in the Kansas game because Jalen Daniels, who's a real dual-threat quarterback, yes. and we agree, more skilled than Dylan Gabriel, would have exposed other issues that were exposed in that game, like defending a, dual, a true dual-threat quarterback in the quarterback run game, like the secondary and some of the missed tackles and maybe some of the coverage breakdowns. And maybe Texas wouldn't have went into the Oklahoma game with a false confidence defensively about being able to pressure the quarterback, being able to get to him, pass rush lanes, defending dual threat quarterbacks, all those different things. I think because Texas, quarter, they, their coaches solve problems week to week. We see things pop up and they don't consistently you know, affect this team systemically. Right. So I think they would have fixed some of those problems too. That's my theory is that, Facing backup quarterbacks three weeks in a row, that's how it hurts you when you have to face a real quarterback like Dylan Gabriel. Rod, you nailed that. And and, and I'll double down. Jalen Ford had one of the worst games I've ever seen. And I'm not about to knock that guy because what he's done and how he's developed and how he's brought along this defense and and really become an integral part of this program, I'm not going to do that. I think Jalen Ford deserves a a mulligan, so to speak. But the tempo froze him. Yeah, David Ben, the tempo froze him. And so Gabriel showed some holes that you're right. I feel like Jalen Daniels may have exposed the week before. And then, like you said, it's a learning process week to week. And I do have faith that this group will figure it out because PK and those guys have been playing phenomenal. The offense playing phenomenal. You know, people wanted to knock Quinn for, you know, the two interceptions on the first two drives and deservedly so. But he also went 31 for 37 for 342 yards and a touchdown. He played well. But you're right. I think the linebackers would have been a little more prepared had they had faced Jalen Daniels or a Jalen Milrow that had been in the season five, Uh, six, seven weeks rather than the second game of the year. Good point. Hey, Matthew, that transitions nicely into Dax Kelm's super chat. Uh, and Dax, who's a great participant yes. here all the time, and Dax, we appreciate that. So they will. Yeah. Segue into this. So Dax asked, "Will the Horns see more hurry up this season since we had such a hard time defending it versus OU?" I will say, you're not going to find many teams, if any, that will run it as well as the Levy system, Brian system. That yeah, that's OU. what it was made for, Ray. Right. right. He's right. right. Okay, so we, we we got head nods in the word yes. So you agree that that's probably uh, Rod? Go ahead and flesh it out. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, and Justin's right. You're definitely going to see it. I mean, why a team would be stupid not to break it out against Texas. And it's something also I want y'all to go look at because I'm going to go back and break it down too. I think Texas this week needs to work on situational awareness for the defense. Because if I'm not mistaken, one of the worst drives defensively they had in the uh, game was also the end of the first half. Right? Remember the end of the first half, all those missed tackles? On the, they missed like four or five tackles at the end of the first half, essentially when Oklahoma was in two-minute mode. And Oklahoma always runs up-tempo, of course. Uh, but then the end of the game, essentially, they're in two-minute mode. Running yeah. two-minute offense. And, Oklahoma, and then Texas has three breakdowns, you know, two in the back end on coverage, one on the front, and a missed tackle out of just six plays. Seems like the guys were flustered back there in the back end. And by the way, we should discuss this too. So should Sarkin call the timeout? When Texas defense was struggling, I that, there have been a timeout. That's there? such a hindsight question, Rod. Because yeah. I don't. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm not calling a timeout to let the offense get stuff together. Now, counter to that, hey, Texas needed to get a few things lined <laughs> yeah, up together. Say, you look so I see the point, but <laughs> it's such a do we do it? Do we do it now? You know, you got to make that decision now. And I'm not going to second guess that. I, I would have gone old school and said, "Man, I'm not. It's just in basketball. I'm not calling a timeout to let you guys set up stuff." Yeah, I think after the first coverage breakdown, I probably would have called one because that was the stupid play. Fair. You had a you had a missed tackle, then a coverage breakdown. Thinking to myself, "All right, guys, they're already in field goal territory. We've given that up. I don't want to give up the touchdown, so I need to make sure we're organized. Right now, we look confused and discombobulated. Come on, guys, let's talk about this. Let's make sure everybody's on the same page." Uh, so I probably, but you're right. It's totally hindsight 2020 thing. Uh, but yes, they will see the hurry up Dax. And the team that I'm worried about the most with the hurry up offense against against Texas is probably K State, uh, just because they have a dual threat quarterback element too. Man, so actually, Will Howard does not look good. He man. does not look good. He does not look good. That's but not that's the right. same K State team we no. saw last year. I agree. I totally agree. But in terms of being able to replicate. Some yeah. of what Oklahoma did, you're they right. Go up tempo now. They don't have all the weapons, and Will Howard is not playing like Billy Gabriel, but he is a dual threat quarterback. They do have a, an interior offensive line that's pretty good to neutralize the interior D line of Texas, which is their strength. And you know, I just think that they could they could do some of the same things, but most teams just don't have the personnel to run what Oklahoma's running. And they, as you just pointed out, they don't run it as well as Oklahoma uh, Ray. And keep, keep this in mind. I said this going into that week. Dylan Gabriel is more familiar, more intimately knowledgeable, and more comfortable in that beer and shoot system than any quarterback in the country is in their respective system. He's today, being presented this, today, yes, yes. today, right now, he could teach that system to most coaches around the country. He yeah. knows it that well. You're not gonna ha- you're not gonna meet a quarterback again until championship time postseason that is that good and that familiar with their system. So that also is a plus. I mean, that and then also it hurts because that was the best quarterback you faced, and we see what it did to expose some of the issues against Texas. Yeah. Hey, we have another uh, super chat T live. Let's put that one up, uh, Matthew. Now I'm not really good with the acronyms and things. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, so he's got another one before that too for a dollar ninety nine. He says a uh, salute rod on the little one from T live, but then he did another one. So T live is really uh, being a uh, generous guy here. We appreciate that, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, salute Rod, a.k.a. Kool-Aid on the little one. Um, Chuck, E. Clark, BJ checking in. And Justin, what was up with uh, Tashard Choice? Oh, I saw this. Yeah, there was some beef on the field. Uh, I missed this. What is Jonathan this? Brooks tried to – I think it was Brooks who 
separated uh, choice and somebody. I don't know if it was on the Longhorn Network uh, post-game show I saw this or at the very end of the ABC broadcast, but there was, uh, yeah, there was wow. Coach Choice there with his uh, little uh, floss pick in his mouth, and he wasn't uh, very happy with somebody, and Brooks actually came in and kind of separated things. So I have, I have no idea what, what that was about or how legitimate that was. And, I, yeah, T-Lab, I saw what you're talking about. So I don't know if uh, Justin saw that too, but uh, yeah, just, just a little note on that. Yeah. I'm trying to word this right. Um, <laughs> please, please do, sir. Don't get recruiting, trouble. recruiting battles are more intimate. The closer you get to the player, Oh. you offer them the first two, you Texas OU offers the same kid the first few months, both take trips. That's, that's, that's a newness. That's real. That's kind of a, the, the found, the foundation of it. You start recruiting a kid for a year, year and a half, and then the way you recruit that kid is, well, who other schools are you talking to? Oh, well, let me tell you what Texas is doing. Let me tell you what Coach Choice And Tashar Choice took a little onus to that with, I believe, DeMarco Murray. They're both recruiting the same guys. And I feel there's some spill over there because there's been some negative recruiting behind the scenes that never go – rarely goes public, and it's – probably best that it doesn't. Um, but that I think was kind of the, the core to it. There'd been some animosity built up on the trail mm-hmm. and you're not gonna, you're not going to get the last word with the sharp choice. You're just, wow. Yeah. How often is negative recruiting happen? I, I had a, a, a coach, I had a coach Every tell day. me, he's like negative recruiting is like peeing in the shower. Everybody does it. Nobody wants to admit to it. Every day. <laughs> Every day. And there's not one school in the country that gets negative recruited more than the University of Texas. Exactly. The bigger the brand, right? The more negative recruiting. I'm telling you, they'll knock USC. They'll knock Notre Dame just because of that national brand. But you're going to knock Georgia. I'd like to know what the hell you're going to say. You're going to knock Alabama. I'd love to hear that spill. You're going to knock LSU. Eh, You probably can. Brian Kelly's out of his element. But still, those recruiting some of those recruitments get very intimate and they get very personal. And when it comes down to a Texas and Oklahoma, that's essentially trading shots to get that guy on campus. Yeah. And I feel like there was an underlying factor there with that. It got personal. I, I'll word it that hey, way. Uh, like that's, uh, good. that's good. Good stuff. Hey, I don't know, Brad, if these guys were contemporaries of you or what were was Tashard and uh, DeMarco on the Cowboys at the same time? Could that have possibly had some – is uh, no, not the same yes, right? yes. at the same time. Oh, they really star was a rookie in 2008, I think. DeMarco oh. was a rookie in 2008. Hmm. I think it was 2008. DeMarco was a rookie. I don't think he played in that big Texas OU game in 2008. I think yeah, that long right. run he had in the 07 game might have been his latest. I may be off with the, with the years, and I'm sure yeah, our, you our, might be right. Yeah, I think you're right, Justin. I so there, there was some spillover there uh, of them being – and so I'm sure they know each other. I'm sure there's yeah. their acquaintances. But Rod knows this as well as anybody. On the recruiting trail, when you're going after the, the bloodline of your program and it's coming down to a few schools and it's that oh, yeah. one school up north that you're going against, mm-hmm. it can get a little hairy. Yep. Yeah, and your head coaches know it too. Your coach is like, hey, we want that guy. And he's like, oh, who else want yeah. him? The Sooners want him. Oh, we definitely need to get him in. Yeah, it's there even more go. more more incentive to do so. And, and it's right. worse with Texas and Texas A&M. Wait till those coaches see mid- midfield next next year. 
It's worse with those two. The only thing is relevant with Oklahoma because Oklahoma has actually been good, you know, over the years in college football and A&M still trying to find their footing, you know, a hundred years into it. Yeah. 2011. 1939. Cowboys together. 2011. They're on the Cowboys together. They were together. Okay. So they're teammates. Hey, this isn't a super chat, but Embrace had a really nice comment for uh, Rod. I just wanted to highlight that. Whatever Rod's getting paid ain't enough. This guy's pure oh, gold. Amen. CC so Bobby. I appreciate that. No, they are very, that's very kind of you guys, man. I love it though. It's great work. I work with great people like Justin and Ray. It's easy, man. It's fun. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Lane C. Wright does have a super chat for us. And this is again for Mr. Babers. So for Rod Colin, can you go more into the way Mac Brown broke down seasons like first half, second half? Curious how the psychology yeah. of that works when you lose to a rival, what would a uh, Mac do? Yeah, it was. I mean, I think Justin kind of nailed it. I And I think Mac knew how much of an emotional let. Remember, Mac had coached in this game before, you know, because Mac was on yeah. the Oklahoma side before. I was so seeing I for Barry that, Switzer. Yes. So I think Mac understood that emotional letdown if you lose this game. And he basically broke the season down after that Oklahoma game. Then we need to regroup, whether you win or lose. Because it win, it, you're riding an emotional high, and like you, that that win may end up distracting you from the the play the, uh, the game the next week. And even after a loss, of course, the emotional letdown. You feel like the season's over. You got to regroup. You got to rally. Uh, and, and as a team, you guys need to make sure that you show that that fortitude and that grit, and keep your goals intact and keep your focus. Uh, so I think that's what it was about. He knew this this game was so unique. And to Ju- Justin brought up this point to start the. Uh, the live the live stream and it was a it was a very astute observation because I know everybody noticed it, but I I actually think I can't help people define it that first quarter right and how magnificent it was it was like a heavyweight fight just haymakers being thrown. Sark and Brent Venables both realized how to coach in the Texas OU game and that's why it was so good that's why that first quarter was so good and what I mean by that is in this game because the momentum swings are so extreme. Because the environment is so unique, split down the middle. It's at a neutral site. It's such an emotionally charged environment. Uh, heated rivals, you know, Texas State Fair, all that kind of stuff. The momentum swings are extreme, and you cannot allow an opponent to monopolize momentum and energy in that game. Because if they do, even if you're a good team, and I was on a good team, you can get blown out in this game. You can be on the downside of a landslide. Because you can look up and go, what the hell, man? What the, Now we look like we're out of it. The momentum just can overwhelm you. Stark figured it out in year one. He had all the momentum in first half. He was like, I'm riding this wave. It's a tidal wave of momentum. And then Caleb Williams runs the fourth down, 60-something yards for a touchdown. And then the momentum shifts, and you could feel it. It was palpable. And I think Stark realized then he went, I allowed them to monopolize the momentum, and I never got it back totally. I got to take it back. And even last year he realized, 49-0, I got all the momentum. They got nothing. I took it from them, and they had no way to get it back. In this game, Britt Venables, who knows this rivalry as well as anybody, he's got Bob Stoops telling him, all right, what, what this rivalry is all about in his ear. And I think Sark is learning. He's a fast learner about this rivalry, and that's why they traded blows. And Sark was ready. Remember, Sark was asked, why all this exotic plays he had in the first half, was that planned or was that situational? He said, no, it was planned. You got the 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 the, the red cat with the red cat pass, which was great. You got the fake uh Make the fake punt. punt. You got the block punt. They went after two punts. Matter of fact, went after two punts. The fourth down conversions. Sark under and by the way, if Sark didn't do all those things, there's a chance Texas would have been down double digits at mm. the end of the first half. 
Yes. They probably should have been. They yes. probably should have been. But Sark got give Sark credit. He was answering. He knew he's like, I gotta respond. Mm -hmm. I can't allow Oklahoma these two picks early to keep the momentum. I will, I will answer, I will respond. And I love that about him. I know we all criticize Sark for some of the you know, the play calling and the, you know, the goal line calls and I did. And we can do that. That's fair. Game management, clock management. But I'll give him a lot of credit. I think he knows how to coach in this game. He just didn't keep that up the entire game. Um, but early on, he knew that first quarter, all about matching energy and momentum. Hey, Matthew, let's go back up to it's not a highlighted one or it is in your highlighted batch, but ancient drummers at 715. This is for Justin. This is about the long-term construction of a college football program. So Ancient Drummer asks, which is more impactful, the immediacy of the portal on building a team or the long-term effect uh, high school recruiting can have on a program? What's your opinion on that, Justin? Buddy, that's that's a term paper worth of information. <laughs> um, man, that's a dissertation. That's a great yeah. question, Ancient Drummer. Right? Uh, and we wouldn't even ask this question three or four years ago. And that's why I'm saying I don't know if we know this answer yet. I don't know if we have uh, a recipe or a formula that properly organizes portal recruiting developed from high school and, you know, all that and above. I don't know if that's I don't know if anybody has the trick to that yet. We've seen well, some. Justin, programs like you, and, you and Jerry talked about this in your recruiting thing that people need to go back and check out on YouTube. So you guys kind of discuss some of this because we're seeing even more examples of portal becoming more effective. We saw it with Oklahoma Saturday and this year they've uh, put a lot of new blood into the program and that's working for them. Colorado's remade the entire damn thing. USC with Lincoln Riley has kind of done a lot of that. So it's we're seeing more and more examples of people go ahead and they're, they're taking that portal leap now. Now, traditional blue bloods might want to do it the old fashioned way and build up, you know, with the recruiting and they would still probably want to do that, but there are some new examples of portal uh, really making an enormous difference. Portal. You have to look at portal. Like you look at the NFL free agency. Remember, was it 93 when the Cowboys made the trade for Charles Haley, they were a great team, but they needed that one missing piece to kind of bring it all together. And Charles Haley was that guy. He, he turned out to be that guy. You're going to see some college programs over the next five to 10 years that are close and they need one or two more guys. And you can't expect a true freshman that maybe a four or five star coming in to just slide in and be ready. They're, they're not, they're, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to flash. They'll make plays. So you're constructing a roster. I feel like Sark has done this tremendously because of his time in the NFL. And he's even admitted you build these rosters similarly the way you build the NFL rosters, which means you churn the bottom of it. You're constantly churning in and churning out guys at the bottom. Are we getting better with this and are we getting worse? And so, and the, the reason for this urgency with portal is because there's so much onus on winning immediately. You're not allowed to lose early in your first or second year or rarely are you are, you are told you have to win. I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a football game and I hung out with a head coach at Texas State, G.J. Kenny. He's a good friend of mine. Knew him back from his days in Canton and Gilmer. Know his family, know his brother, knew his dad. Um, I said, G.J., you brought in an entire class of, of portal guys. And he goes, yeah, because we want to compete this year. If I brought in an entire class of recruits, high school recruits, we'd be two years away in development. I might not even have the job in year three. And that's something they're all looking at. 
That's something SMU has done really well. They, they've done really – you think SMU is an eight- or nine-win team over the last four or five years without going into the portal and grabbing like five or six guys that were unappreciated or underused at some schools, like a Kelvante Dixon at Texas. Kid barely saw the field in Austin. You get him in, in, in Dallas, and he's been, a, he's been fantastic for SMU. Each team's going to be different, but I don't think there's a formula that constructs everything perfectly yet. I think everyone's kind of figuring out their way. Clemson is just now looking into the portal. Debbie Sweeney sweared, ah, I'm not going to deal with NIL. It's he's the so end of the world. so far behind the curve. Yeah, Guess what? You are. I'm not going to mess with the portal, man. That that just that's just that doesn't even seem right. <laughs> well, you are. If you want to win, win because in the the, the you know the, the the illustrious words of Moneyball, adapt or die. And yep. so that's a great question, Ancient Drummer. And I'm going to tell you. In five to ten years, I think we'll have a better idea of how that works. But right now, if you're a great team and you have a few holes, the portal's perfect. Mm. If you're completely changing your roster because of the portal, that's going to take time. You're, you're introducing too many young guys, and it has killed high school recruiting. If you're mm. a high school recruit and you have been offered any point up to October, November of your senior mm. year, you better get on the spot because – we are approaching the time now. It's mid, almost mid-October. Those scholarship offers are going to be void because wow. now they have an idea, okay, that corner's probably going to leave. That receiver's going to stay. We got this guy coming back from a rehab. We're going to need four portal guys instead of four guys that we could develop in our system and be you know, ball players in two or three years. They don't have two or three years anymore. You have to win. You have to win right now. That's just the way of football. That's the way of sports. And I think it's kind of the best way I can, you know, sum that up. Um, I I, I want to add to that. It honestly reminds me of, and I didn't get to experience this. I kind of met my wife like right when, you know, dating apps and online dating really, really took off. But I was reading a lot of articles about it at the time. And I was, uh, you know, I was big into going out to meet ladies. I don't go out and meet face to face. I I like hitting on women. I actually like the challenge of hitting on women. All right. Getting rejected is fine. But it's okay. It's a challenge. I'm gonna go up to a group of a group of dimes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot my shot and see what I got. Sometimes go. I look like a fool. Sometimes I shock myself. I'm like, damn, I didn't know I could do it, but I did it. Um, so I was always a person, you know, face to face. But dating apps and online dating, it kind of reminds me of the transfer portal a little bit. I remember early on people saying, "Oh, I'll never do that. That's not what I'll do." And everybody kept saying, "What's well, the future?" I mean, that's how people are gonna meet in the future, just so you know. And now I think we're at the point now a third, close to like a third of married couples. They all met online through online mm-hmm. dating and less and fewer and fewer people are meeting in traditional ways with face to face more like meeting at work or meeting out at the club. And yeah. it, it's it, it's strange. It kind of reminds me of, you know, old fashioned recruiting being the old ways used to people used to meet face to face and connect. And the transfer report is kind of the space age way of dating now with online dating and dating apps. And it's quicker. It's faster. Right. Um, people are people all about the. You know, the, the the sense of urgency. People want that microwave society. They want that instant gratification. And that's what the transfer reporter gives you, right? Look at, you just brought up Ray. Look at Dion. Look at USC. Look at Oklahoma now. Look at what G.J. Kenny's doing at Texas State. I want right. instant gratification. I want my team to win right now. I want I want to date that dime piece now. I don't want to have to talk to her. I don't want to take on <laughs> I, I don't want to court her. I just want to swipe right and swipe left and then meet me and then we can get it on, right? And that's what the transfer portal is all about. But I like old-fashioned dating. I think so. it depends on who you are. It depends on your situation. I still like to meet face-to-face. I think a lot of coaches like Sarko have that luxury. They can still uh, recruit the old-school way and build the old-school way. They'll do that, and they'll supplement 
with the portal. But I think, hey, man, everybody's doing it a little bit differently. And it doesn't matter what level you're at now. You better tap into that portal. And if I was a single man, you hey. damn right, I'd be tapping into them online dating apps, man. Got Rob, to. you remember <laughs> Alabama, Nick Saban was anti-portal for a while. Yeah. And, you know, and you can be anti-portal when Henry Ruggs and John Mechie and Devontae Smith mm. and Jalen Waddell are on your <laughs> roster. Guess what? You don't really need the portal. But then what happened when those guys gone? Come they on, were man. gone. They didn't replace them with, with recruits that were good enough. Mm-hmm. So they've had to hit the portal multiple times, especially the receiver. Jamison Williams couldn't stay healthy in Ohio State. We'll take him. The, the Tyrese Har- Harrell kid out of Louisville, their leading receiver. What do you think about playing at Bama for a year? Yeah. So every team is going to do a little bit of it at some point because at the end of the day, you're paid to win. And going into the portal and adjusting, adapting or die is the way of the world, especially in sports. Amen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. There you go. We want everybody who's watching this to stay on Inside Texas. Don't go to Match.com. Just stay on Inside <laughs> Texas. This is where you're going to get to. You know, I have never, I have, honest to God, never <laughs> done a dating app, a dating service. I have buddies that do it religiously. And exactly. we're in a group text, and they, they tell me their stories. <laughs> and I mean, I cannot share them. But the swipe, you know, and there's like 10 of them. There's like Grinder, Blender, oh, Tinder. Bumble, like, yeah. But I don't, I don't know them. I don't know them. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. I got some buddies that have got some insane stories. I just, that is the craziest wow. thing in the world. But your Rod is right. That's the future. That's the <laughs> exactly. future. We're skipping. Remember, you had to call on the phone and you had to talk to him for hours. And I'll tell you, damn, you fell asleep. And that was for months before you even went out. Exactly. Now, this live stream has taken a very weird turn, hasn't it? Be, yeah. be right back. Be right back. I like this. Emotion. This is funny. <laughs> hey, you guys are killing it. Hey, uh, Matthew, are we still doing that uh, two month for a buck deal over yes. at the Inside Texas site? We Let's, are uh, coming that out. Graphic up. How about that? See, uh, nomatch.com. Yes, Inside <laughs> Texas. Promo code OTFIT23. That gets you two months of access. For $1, now you must select the monthly offer. But if you go to the site and start trying to sign up, it'll explain itself. You'll understand what they're asking about right there. So, again, Inside Texas, you got Justin Wells on there. You got Paul Waddington, Bobby Burton, Eric Nileen, Joe Cook, Ian Boyd, uh, Justin, uh, Jerry Hamilton. Good gosh, yep. I, couldn't, I couldn't not uh, mention Jerry. He's the, the guru of all recruiting gurus there along with Justin. These guys have incredible inside information, so it's a lot of fun. Now you're watching the YouTube channel right now. Please uh, hit like. Also, smash that subscribe button, whatever that means. I'm just trying to 
you know, fit in with the young folks. But uh, yeah, subscribe and uh, like, and uh, we hope you uh, let us know. I think we're approaching like the 25,000 mark on here pretty soon. I bet you in the next week or two, we're going to get there. So there's a lot of folks who uh, enjoy watching these Longhorn live streams. Again, my name is Ray <laughs> alongside uh, Justin Wells and Rod Babers, and we're talking about football and uh, various things. What's baseball now? We got uh, Astros leading the oh, Twins 3-2 in the bottom of the sixth. If you're recording and didn't want that information, then I just spoiled it, and I'm, I'm a jerk, so I apologize for that. Hey, we got some a uh, couple more Super Chats to catch up on. Uh, I got it's Lep. Is he the? I think we already got that one, Matthew Braylon. We already addressed that one, so we did do that one. Let's go to it's. Hey Ray, Lep. I do and notice a, a lot of people are yeah. mentioning Grinder. I I don't know what that is, but they're like buddies on Grinders and cautionary. I, I don't know the difference in these apps. Like I really don't. Um, I, I, I only hear what my friends say. I don't know what they are, but apparently Grinder is a. Bad I suspect one. if you went to Grinder, you would know the difference pretty quickly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, okay, I'm taking y'all's. I'm taking Ray and Rod's experience in that yeah, field over mine. We didn't say. Well, that's okay. We're oh, we're man. just not. Hey, you know, you know what? You, not there's anything wrong aware. with it, Justin. Not there's we're anything so, wrong. We're socially that. aware of what that site. Yes. Not that there's anything wrong with it. So, uh, where do we? We wanted to go to Heath. Then I guess Backers out of position. Oh yeah. So yeah, oh. I you know. It was hard not to notice. I mean, because Jalen Ford's been such an exceptional player for two years. And uh, there were moments where it just didn't seem like things were clicking for him Saturday. And uh, he may not, I don't want to single him out. So there may have been some failures through that position. So, Rod, you want to give a quick assessment of uh, what the the backers looked like uh, Saturday? Yeah, I will, first of all, I'll just give Oklahoma a little credit. Um, I will. Uh, they, you know, in big games, you want to win big games, you got to find a way to break tendency, right? The thing about big games is, there's extra preparation done for big games. You in the offseason, you got a couple of games circled on your schedule, Oklahoma, Alabama. You're doing a lot of prep for those games because you know they're marquee games, nationally televised. Everybody's going to be watching. And uh, and also they can be kind of turning points in the season. So in this game, Oklahoma did a great job of breaking tendency, especially with Dylan Gabriel. That was the most rushing attempts or tied for the most rushing attempts he's had in his career. He had five quarterback draws, only four scrambles. So essentially, they say he had 10 design runs in that game. I got to go back and check, but that's the most rushing yards he's had in his career, the most rushing yards per attempt he's had in his career. Um, so I think basically the the manner in which they constructed the, the quarterback design runs. Think about it. Even Sark has mentioned this. He mentioned it in spring. He also mentioned it uh, in, in training camp. Remember the big, uh, the, the big story about Arch Manning running 20 miles per hour? What was yeah. the under, underlying story uh, story there, though? The underlying story was, that they were out of their pass rush lane. Yeah. Right? So it's like, they, they, nobody picked up, everybody was talking about the 20 mile problem. So I was like, yeah, but they were out of their pass rush lanes, what that really bothered him. And we even heard about that in the spring a little bit. I remember them talking about that in the spring just a little bit. And then it crept up again. I think Oklahoma did their, they did a deep dive, exhaust reach, and they found out the best way to exploit the Texas uh, defensive line is to let, the, even Stark said this in the media availability, he said, sometimes, we're so uh, we're so eager to get to the quarterback that we leave our pass rush lanes essentially abandoning our responsibility within the defense and then violating the rules of the defense. That's what they did. They that's what the quarterback draw was so significant, guys. That's why they ran it five times. Because what does a quarterback draw do? It allows your defense to get upfield, 
and then they get eager to rush the passer. You're faking them out. Hold it. Whoa, hold it. One more thousand, two, one thousand. And then you go. And essentially, they're, they allowed the Texas pass rush uh, to get out of their, their lanes. And then they violated the rules of integrity of the Texas defense. It was actually simplistically brilliant. And then he had four scrambles on top of that. And essentially, my man Ian Boyd always says, basically, the quarterback draw is a design scramble. <laughs> Let everybody get blocks get in place. So the, the types of runs, uh, to give my man Ian Boyd credit, that's what was key. It was the type of run. And that's breaking Tennessee. It also it did a great job of kind of psyching out the Texas linebackers. I think they were always on the lookout for Dylan Gabriel instead of their responsibilities a lot of the times. And also keep in mind the tempo, Justin brought it up, that tempo, it had the Texas defensive front seven shook. It just yes. did. It did. That's why they'll see it again. Hey, uh, it's left. Uh, gave us a, a super chat here about Devin Harper. Said, been to see Devin Harper a few times this season. He's a beast. And Justin and Rod, if you're ever in town, that was Shreveport, if you'll recall. Yeah. Ralph and Kaku's army. them, guys. Are you guys familiar with these places, Ralph's and Kaku's? Yes. <laughs> Justin yes. Superior. Tell, tell, let Rod and I will meet him at Superior Bar and Grill. First margaritas <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, nice. They make the best margaritas, man. And I don't even drink. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Learn that's more nice and more about Mr. Wells. <laughs> hey, Juan is a big super chatter. We really appreciate Juan. Every week he comes in and helps us out. Uh, we got a few more opportunities for folks to uh, hop on here and get a, a super chat in. I think we're at about the top of the hour, 8 o'clock, almost there, 7.59. It just turned. So Juan, uh, asking Rod here, I haven't seen this before, so let me see if I can formulate the sentence what Rod's asking here. What would you think of the A&M loss? Again, they played Alabama Saturday. And are you scared at all of the upcoming Houston-Texas game? Because in 2021, they went uh, – we did. The Longhorns yeah. went 5-7 and yeah. seven after the Oklahoma loss, if you think history yeah. will repeat itself. So Juan just wants to make sure that we don't repeat no. 2021. What's, no, uh, no. No, different team, right? Different team. We've seen this team's got a different DNA to them. Uh, they respond well to adversity. We've talked about that, right? That's why they're a second-half team. They're a fourth-quarter team. Well, this is the second half of the season. Right? Uh, you just had the biggest you know, uh, game of the season, and you, you faced adversity a lot in that game, by the way, and battled through it. I think Quinn Ewer's performance is actually kind of a microcosm of battling through the adversity. As Justin said, started out with the two picks and then – Finished the last three quarters of that game, probably one of the best performances we've seen from Queen Ewer. That'll be on this draft highlight film. A lot of yes. those throws he made in that game. Um, and I like I like the show. He showed some fortitude. He showed some greatness. And I played for some teams. I, as a player, I can tell you, sometimes two really bad plays early on in the game can force you to spiral, go into a spiral as mm -hmm. a player. You're in quicksand, can't get yourself out. I've witnessed it and I've experienced it. Um, that was really impressive to see Quinn Ewer's maturity in that moment in such a big stage kind of deal with the adversity, process it, and then start get him back into a groove as a quarterback. That gave me a lot of hope as a Longhorn fan. But I got I like the DNA of this team. They 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 respond well to adversity. They'll respond well to this adversity too in my opinion. And, and the hey, Big Rob, 12 is weak. The Big 12 yeah. is weak. It's weak. Yeah. Well let's, let's uh, speak to that uh, intestinal fortitude because on uh on Saturday, we, we fell behind by 10 in what was it late third quarter, early fourth? It was uh, we could have folded our tents and yep. gone home at that point, right? But this team fought back and took the lead. So 
that right there told me that there was something different about this team because, yeah, we, we didn't just accept that as our fate and just, uh, you know, fold it in. So I think that was a little bit uh, of a sign of a, a different uh, team this year. Agreed. Yeah. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. So, uh, uh, M. Briss has a nice comment. It said, Rod, you better avoid those dating apps or you'll be looking at lawyer apps. <laughs> hey, trust me. I agree with you 100%. I miss the dating app world. There are no dating apps on this phone, I assure you. There you go. I, Someone, I'll, I'll you. Someone wanted to see my, my screen, my, my apps on my screen. And I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. I'll do, I'll do this right here. I only, I'm not a big app guy because apps chew up memory on, on yeah, the right, yeah. Look at Justin deleting apps. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy, I'm telling you, I am so boring. I'm telling you, I'm so boring. Even my seven-year-old tells me I'm boring with it. He's like, oh, this app here, try this app. It's free. It eats up memory, man. I literally, I can literally do. Oh, you're good, buddy. That's it. I only have a page and a half. I know people that go like like four or five pages. I got four or five. How in the world can you do that? I'm with you. I can't That's do that. True. I got to have my Inside Texas on three app. Sign up for it right now. Best breaking news services possible. I've got my Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, my Starbucks app, which is probably the most important one on here, wow. my Bible app, and my Instagram app. I am boring, man. I am totally boring. Uh, you be sliding some DMs, though, on Instagram, don't you? On the gram. You know funny? The first time I ever talked to Bijan Robinson was through a DM on Instagram okay. because he never had a Twitter forever. Uh, Bijan Robinson was not big on, did not like social media. He I had three know. words in his profile on his Instagram account. Just be good. That's wow. all. Bijan had no interest. So when he hmm. came in before that spring game and hung out with Jamal Charles, I thought, well, this is the only way I can get to him. He's not on Twitter. I can't find him on anything else. I'll just reach out. And that's when it started. I got his phone number, and we we stayed in touch, you know, wow. up until, you know, we, we still text up until a couple weeks ago. So I had to use Instagram to get to know Bijan because, you know, he was one, <laughs> he was one of those guys. And Arch Manning wasn't big on social media either. I had to drive yeah. to New Orleans four times or five times in 12 months. <laughs> To, to get the info there though but nice. man i don't know, understand those people with that many apps all you're doing yeah. is eating up the memory on your phone and my phone hey I man can't. now we have to know what you did to Bijan two weeks ago to make him cut you off <laughs> well it, I, I i don't i don't bother these guys like i don't i don't like i don't go at them all you know honestly I, I don't actually text any of them most of the time unless it's something small or somebody needs to know something like one of his friends. Cause I have a lot of friends that work with Bijan's, his CFA, his agent. Uh, mm. I have a lot of friends there. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of how we, but I don't, I don't bother him. I yeah, think the no, last I, I, thing we talked about was him picking the number seven and he had broken yeah. it down. Why in, in the, in the biblical sense. And oh, so wow. unless I've got something I really need to ask him or tell him, I don't bother those guys. No, I'm with you. They don't need that. Now, I got some text from some players in the league, from you know former Texas guys that are in the league now, about Jalen Ford on Saturday that I was not expecting, unsolicited. Yeah. And, and that was that was a new thing. But, no, I, I didn't do anything to Bijan. Listen, I don't think you can. Bijan is a freaking angel, 
Okay, like literally from the from the heavens, that dude was brought <laughs> to this planet to bring people to God and watch crazy football plays. Amen, brother. So he's, I can't I can't bother those guys, man. They no, got, I got you. Man. He's, and he's doing it. The ridiculous stuff is even amplified now in the NFL. I mean, he got that the ball mm -hmm. around his back. Oh, no, worst yeah. team. He is struck. He's he's doing it. I got him in yeah, fantasy football. I need some more. One again. Hey, you just mentioned uh, Jalen and the text, and again, we don't want to bag on uh, no. Jalen, but let's go to Tim and Cizo's, uh super chat, Matthew, if you don't mind. We'll go back to Amar's. So Tim does mention uh, Mr. Ford there, but he says he doesn't want to bag on him, but he does remember a play where yeah, and Gabriel Spitz was running down the field. Ford seems to be looking at him, turns his head, follows the receiver. So why? Scheme, yeah. coaching. Uh, again, we've addressed this, but uh, Tim was good enough to do the super chat, so let's just Maybe throw a little more analysis at what was going on there, if you Real can quick. recall that. That's and that's that's what that's what tempo does to your defense. If you got a scrambling quarterback, make that guy commit to you or that or mm -hmm. that or that or that that tailback that he picked up in the flat or that mm -hmm. tight end that was out that was going in the out uh, yep. in the boundary. That's that's why this tempo works because you got to pick your poison. <laughs> Jalen, if Jalen goes up to four, goes up to Gabriel, guess what Gabriel does? He just dumps it to that little back that yep. that Ford was following, and you might actually have a bigger game. It's mm -hmm. one of those. That's a great coaching situation that Oklahoma put Texas in. Ford, I don't feel like did anything wrong. He had to pick his poison, and either way, he was probably going to get beat on that. Yeah. What do you they think? Yep, that's a great way of they, they put him in constant conflict. Right. They basically okay. he was in constant conflict the entire game. The quarterback run game was a big part of putting him in constant conflict to force him to make those decisions. And yeah, a lot of times he just he was not only a half a step behind, a whole step behind. And there were times I, mean, I saw him in the, I saw him in a hole with Dylan Gabriel one on one at one time. Matter of fact, on that on the longest quarterback. The Steve play. Young play. Oh man, he Jamie Ford had to had a clean. A clean Ooh. shot on him. It was a one-on-one -on -one tackle situation. Yep. And Dylan Gabriel made, left him flat-footed. It was just a great play by Dylan Gabriel, but an uncharacteristic play by Jalen Ford. So I, I do. I think he was a little discombobulated, man. They put him in a lot of conflicts, and that will be the recipe going forward. They're gonna people are gonna mm -hmm. use the tempo, and they'll try to use a lot of spy beaters if they can against guys like Jalen Ford. That, like I said, we got to give at one point we got to give Oklahoma some credit. That was a yes. hell of a game plan they yes. had. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, they did a nice job. Let's go back up to Amars now, uh, Matthew. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. He has a super chat. And so, Rod, uh, Texas plays Oklahoma again in the conference Ooh. championship game. What changes oh, would you man. expect to see from Texas wow. on offense and Great defense? Question. Maybe uh, keeping yeah. track of Dylan Gabriel might be uh, job number one. Yeah, I say, I guess we can start on the defensive side of the ball and uh, tackling. You got to tackle better. They missed a lot of tackles in that game. Uh, 13 uh, by pro football focus numbers. Um, but I'm not worried about the missed tackles as so much as the, the extra yardage gained, additional yards after the missed tackles. And I counted close to 130 additional yards Ooh. after missed Whoa. tackles. A lot of yards, a lot guys. Of yards. A lot of yards, a lot of extra yards that you're giving up. So if I am, you know, if I'm if I'm Texas number one, something you can fix in the bye week, man. You can work on just getting back to the fundamentals of tackling. Gotta be a better and by the way, that was a, one of the worst tackling games they've had all season long. Um, also the coverage bust and the breakdowns. I mean, you got a chance to win that game if you don't bust the coverage, miss a tackle, and or have a broke a breakdown in the cover in the front, excuse me, in gap integrity on three of those six final plays you were defending. 
man, you cannot have that many mental breakdowns. Now, I know they had some young guys in the secondary. They had Malik Muhammad. They had you know Derek Williams. Um, but those young guys, at you know, we expect them to play at a really high level. So if they're gonna play in that crucial critical moment, they gotta be a little bit more buttoned up than that. Can't have those mental errors. And I think the biggest thing is, yeah, how you play Dylan Gabriel. What is your plan to spy Dylan Gabriel? Are you gonna flush him from the pocket, overload one side, blitz one side? flush him from the pocket, whatever side that he, the side he least likes to throw from, whatever uh, side that is. So maybe you can force him to abandon the pocket, roll to his right, make him roll to his left or his right. And then you could have the spy collapse on him. Uh, you can just put a spy on him, put more Anthony Hill out there um, and let him be a spy on him since he's so athletic. Um, you can also uh, try to try to make sure that you blitz him more. Now they blitzed him, I think 12 times total. Only one time on that final drive. I think if PK had to do it more, he'd probably try to come after him. Now it's tough with that mm-hmm. and shoot. They 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 widen you so much with these splits of the wide receivers. All right, they force you to play those wide splits. So if you're gonna blitz, it's hard to disguise it unless they're gonna play with a compressed or a condensed set. So unless you have an audible to a blitz that can check to it, you're probably gonna give it away. Which is why they went with a lot of organic pressure because with the tempo number one. And with, you know, them with the wide splits, it's really hard to disguise pressure in that sense. So that's why they relied on a lot of organic pressure. But I think he'd bring more blitz, and I would too on Dylan Gabriel, force him to make a quicker decision on defense. And I think, Rod, also, we saw how valuable Ryan Watts is. There had been a narrative building over the last few weeks about how good Manny Muhammad is, and he is, and how good Terrence Brooks has looked, and he's been fantastic, and Gavin Holmes and those young guys. I think what – they missed was Ryan Watts' physicality on that outside. Listen, that guy doesn't play 12 yards off because he doesn't have to. But what I learned about him is he's so good at tackling and he's so good in the run game, he's almost and sets the edge from the corner position, which is just mind-boggling to me. But I think we missed that. And you know why? Go back to watch the Alabama game. Watch how physical Ryan Watts was at the line of scrimmage and, and what he was able to do against the run game because that's what that's what Alabama tried to do. They're, you know, look, we don't know we don't know if we can throw the ball. Let's run it. But Ryan Watts was so valuable in not missing tackles. He comes up and plays like an outside linebacker. De facto, was in a certain way, and I feel like him he'll be back. He in all likelihood. For that, for that Big 12 championship game, I think that would make a difference. You don't see a lot of running on his side of the field, to be honest, because you, when, have you ever seen a corner set the edge? Because he's about as close to it that I've seen. Yeah, that's why they like him at the boundary, and they like Jade Barron, of course, to the field as the exactly. nickel, because essentially both of those guys are run-force defenders yeah. uh, when, when they're playing against the run, and they're really good run-force defenders. So you almost got guys – that can that can set the edge again, almost insulation edge defenders for both of them. So I'm with John Ryan. At this point, I'm a little disappointed they had just moved him to safety uh, in years past and just let him play safety. He'd, he'd be he's a not a safety. I had he's a bunch not. of people ask me that. I don't think he's a safety. I really don't because Ryan, if he has a weakness, it's coverage, and with his length and wingspan. He can make up some of that. We saw some tip balls against Bama, against Wyoming, where that wingspan really helped because he yeah. had been beat. He was beat. And so that's what that that that, that, that length for him that he has. But I I don't he I, I don't know if he's any better in coverage back there. And so that's what everyone thinks he's gonna do in the NFL. 
I don't know if that's established yet. Rod, you'd have a better, you know, you, you had a take on that. I'm not sure if he's a safety, to be honest, I, because I feel like they would have already put him back there. I agree with you about this. And now here's the thought process behind it. Because you're right. I, I I don't think his coverage skills are elite. He's got he's got some elite traits. His Makeup. Yes. And the way he in his physicality, right? And the way he plays uh the run. But the reason I say moving to safety is because he's he's his coverage skills are not his elite trait. Um, so it, it's safety. He won't improve his cover skills, but he won't be covering the best wide receivers on the field. Good point. Yeah, you know I mean, point. like yes, you, you, you still get him as a run force defender, but then he would have four favorable matchups against tight ends, and you know, usually get running backs out of that. You can get him favorable matchups and not have a matchup. Your nickel's probably going to be matched up on the slot wide receiver, so yeah. you have. A, yeah, I, I think you'd have favorable matchups with okay. most of the time. I'd make him my tight end stopper. I turn him into a J run curses kind of. You know what I mean? I turn him into something like that. Like yeah. that, that's why I think. But you're right. Coverage is not necessarily his elite trait. Um, but we do miss him. They missed him in that game. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Hey, Mars uh, also mentioned uh, the offense. So just clean up turnovers. Oh, yeah. Maybe have a have a healthy Jatavian Sanders. Yeah. First of all, center. I don't think we talked enough about the impact. All of right. Yeah. Big majors going down. We just have it. And you didn't think Connor Robertson played pretty well. Oh, I didn't think it was that much of a drop. His, his snaps were good. I, I couldn't tell you anything about his blocking, but his snaps were on on point. That was he, good. He, he, no, I, I thought I thought he really did play well considering the circumstance. I mean, he was thrown into the Texas OU game. I mean, I'm sure I, I would love to see what his heart rate was when they were like, "Hey, Connor, get your help. Let's go." He's like, "What the?" Uh, but I know, I'm, I'm not saying he didn't play well. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I do think they missed Jake Majors on the goal line. I think they yes. missed him on the goal line. Um, and I, I think that's probably what I'm angling at. I think you you get back. And, and I'm not, by the way, by the way, if Connor Robertson's still starting later on in the season, he'll be better. It's yeah. just being thrown in that game, first reps, Texas OU game, third string center. Man, that's gonna be tough on anybody. I don't give a damn what Amen. Right. So i I think he I think he actually performed really well considering the circumstances. But I think on the goal line, that's maybe where you miss Jake Majors a lot. And first of all, we'll talk about there. We'll start right there with the offense and what they got to improve on. Sark even said it. It sucked on the goal line. And I think Sark was predictable, but he was intentionally, deliberately predictable. He was trying to make a statement to the world. We got big humans. Our humans are bigger than you. It doesn't matter if you know where we're going with the football. Matter of fact, we'll we'll partly let you know exactly where we're going with the football with our big bites. I brought into Vontae Sweat another big human. All right. Just to reinforce that you can know where we're going. It don't matter because you can't stop us because we're bigger, all right? And we're more powerful and we're more physical than you. So in four downs, there's no way you'll stop us four times. And they did. So I think that's why Sark regretted it because he said, I think he was like, I should have changed the play calling. I think he would have balanced it out with going bully ball and being predictable. I, I used to call it the Mensa meathead mentality when Tom Herman was there, like, I don't care if you know what we're doing. If we do it well enough, nobody yeah. can stop us. And it's like, actually, eh, that doesn't really, that's not yeah. applicable. Right? Um, but Sark is more about creativity and being cunning and innovative and essentially trying to uh, force you into making a mental mistake because of all the uh, the mental gymnastics, right, that you have to, to play to kind of keep up and process what's going on with his, his offense. And he didn't do that in the goal line. He only did one thing, which is a quick little wide receiver screen to X-Men. There was no pre-snap motion. There was no uh, formation diversity. It was simple, and my man can beat your man. That's not Steve Sarkeesian football, guys. That's not. It's not. It just isn't. He's about innovation and creativity, and I think his regret is he should have tried to balance that out a little bit more with his bully ball mentality at the time, and he didn't, and he paid for that. 
That's why he said if he went back to the drawing board, he'd have ran the third place second, and right. then he'd have ran the fourth play on third, mm -hmm. and then he'd have ran something else. Probably something a little bit more creative would have gotten his bag a little bit on that fourth down. So I think Sark just got out of character. That's not Sark's nature to be that predictable. And predictable to the Mensa meathead Tom Herman mentality where yeah. I don't care if you know what we're doing. We're so good at it. Try to stop us. And that's why he got stopped. That was a humbling moment because of the hubris of it. But I listen, I support it. I still support it. If you can't get a yard against Oklahoma in a Texas OU game, biggest stage, biggest game of the year, in four tries, you don't deserve to win. You got the biggest O-line in the conference. And the, right. and the O-line would say the same thing, guys. They'd say, yeah, yeah man, we don't deserve to win. We got to get a yard. One yard to win against OU? I'll take that all day, every day on a first and goal. And they couldn't get it. That's why they didn't deserve to win the game. So in a nutshell, I think Sark regrets it because he had faith in his O-line. And I'm not going to say the O-line let him down, but I think he was shocked. He was flabbergasted that they got stopped four downs in a row. Yeah, And, and also look at it like this. The large human quotient, quota – don't be surprised if Cole Hudson is your starting center against Houston in two weeks. He was back wow. in practice this week. Yeah. He's been playing center since last – I think he did a little bit of it in the winter. He did a lot of it, uh, you know, mental-wise in the spring. He did a lot of it in the summer. He did a ton of it in the fall. I think that's kind of the guy that's next up to put to be the number one center. And we know how much Flood – he prefers the bigger guys. That's just he, – he's a size queen. That's what he wants, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. fine. You can, you can operate at that level. But next Saturday, I would not be surprised. I mean, I think you're going to see some doses of Connor Robertson as well, but I wouldn't be shocked if Cole Hudson wasn't the starting center. Yep. Hey, let's wrap it up with uh, uh, comments about Houston. We haven't really talked about oh. the, the – I know we got a bye week, but then the next one's at Houston. Well, ha, the right. Yeah. The, let, me the throw out a couple, let me throw out a couple recruiting tidbits because I am oh, shocked. Please do. Nobody please do. has asked about recruiting in this one, which – Texas Man. OU is a loaded subject. <laughs> we had a lot to cover. You know what I mean? But I do want to just kind of give a quick update. Um, Kobe Black, yeah. top, top defensive player on the big board that's left. Texas only has four or five more spots in 2024 cycle. They're going to be judicious with their takes here. Uh, Kobe Black was scheduled to be at AM for for an official visit last weekend. We had reported we weren't sure if he was going to make that or not. I couldn't get any confirmation. It seemed like it was a little fuzzy. Matter of fact, he did not make that trip. He actually went to Dallas, hung out with Colin Simmons, kind of like he had planned, enjoyed Texas OU. I thought that was big. And just to kind of reiterate, even in losses, recruiting can be beneficial. You go into OU and get – I mean, Cotton Bowl and get blown out in front of Rhett Bomar and Adrian Peterson, and that's how you lose those guys. You yep. play a great game going back and forth. Everyone's in it the entire time. You're in, you know, no one's leaving the stands early type of atmosphere. And they loved it. They absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. They've got a great foundation with 2025. It's Harlem Berry, the number one running back in the country out of New Orleans, or Metairie, rather. Um, you know, Michael Fasusi, number one, uh, one of the top offensive linemen out of Louisville. Um, even in losses, Texas had a great weekend recruiting. And it was it was it was personified by Kobe Black saying, I don't really need to see College Station right now. I'd like to go hang out with some Texas commits at Texas OU. And nice. that is your recruiting notebook. Recruiting nice. tidbits from Justin. Thank you, sir. I was just going to wrap it up with comments about Houston. Houston. That's again, uh, Cougar 10, high. Days, 10 days, 11 days away, something mm. along those lines. So yeah. I just um, real quick, Rod, you got 
level of concern on that one. They've got the big tech. The, is the big tech quarterback still starting for them? The he, one who yeah, Donovan Smith. He's big. He's not good, yeah. but he's big. Well, he's, he's big. He's not good. Listen, Donovan Smith. This is this is why because uh, I know we're getting ready to wrap it up, so I'll make sure I'm quick. The biggest issue for Texas going into the bye week, guys, and it's pretty obvious to everybody, it is red zone offense. Red zone offense, red zone offense. We all know it. It is, it is Pat, that's the big gorilla in the room right now. It is the most perplexing, stupefying thing. You're talking about Texas with weapons that will be drafted in the NFL first two or three rounds next draft, like X-Men, A.D. Mitchell, and J.T. Sanders. Jonathan Brooks is one of the top three or five most productive running backs in the country right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. The biggest, biggest He's O-line. the Joe Walker leader right now. Exactly. You got the biggest O-line in the conference, 325 pounds on average per man, and you can't score in touchdowns in the red zone. You're 122nd in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. They have scored more touchdowns from outside the red zone than they have from inside the red zone. Shout out to my man Bobby Burton with that stat. Guys, that is the biggest issue for Texas, and that, that includes the goal line thing too. But they got to correct the goal line issues, but that's part of the red zone issues. Sark says they're going to analytically break everything down. I think they break everything down, but also go steal some plays from other teams who are great red zone teams. I think Texas needs more variety in their red zone packages. And also I think they're they're dealing with a hangover in red zone mentality from the post Bijan and Rojo era. I think it's much easier to run red zone plays with Bijan and Rojo as your, your catalyst, as the, you know, they're kind of the, the for, for, uh, for Sark, you know, it's kind of the muse, the inspiration. I think that's why he's suffering a little bit with his opening scripts too. It's kind of a post Bijan Rojo hangover. You got to figure out how to call plays without them and, and how the offense is inspired without them. It's a good offense with great weapons, but it shouldn't be struggling in these situations like this, especially in the red zone. Um, Sark will get it corrected, but it's just right now perplexing um, as to what the main issue is that's causing this red zone inefficiency. And Rod, the last time I was in Robertson Stadium, Robertson Stadium might have been the last time you were in Robertson Stadium, 2001. Right. Oh, yeah. You're right. And, and what I remember about that game is Chris Sims. They were backed up in the, you know, almost in their end zone, probably on the, it was like the five or 10. They had just, I guess they just got a turnover. He hit BJ Johnson. It looked like on like a quick comeback on the sideline and BJ used the gas. Huh. He went like 92 to the house. Yeah. And, and I know you were on that. I believe you were on that yeah, team. I was on that team. And so that was, and that was a night game. And that, and Robertson was, was a little, it was pretty rowdy. Texas was oh, yeah. clearly the better team, obviously, but that's the last time I've been in Robertson Stadium. Was that was that for a Texas game? I've actually been there before for some other ones, but for a Texas game, that was my last one. Do you remember yeah. anything from that game particularly? Not not much. I do. I kind of remember that play though, now that you mentioned it. And I remember there was an issue afterwards with the stands and yeah, the, the bleachers. The bleachers yeah. were like bleachers. rickety. Yes. Rickety. I remember that being a big issue and uh, but we, I think, I mean, we won the game. I don't remember if it was a a, a relatively close game. We won it the wasn't. game. Yeah, but it'll it'll be a rowdy group, man. They'll be rowdy in H Town now because just because Texas, this is the farewell tour of Texas. Texas doesn't come to H Town a lot uh, to play football games. So I, I, especially at U of H, so I guarantee you there'll be a big crowd. Even for people who don't want necessarily support U of H or Texas, they'll just want to go to the game because the yeah. Longhorns are in town. No doubt. And they serve cold beer. Now, now that's a, that's pretty standard in college stadiums nowadays. Twenty years ago, what twenty? Oh God, 
Yeah, yeah. over 20, 20 years ago, <laughs> that was one of the fun things about going to Houston Cougar football games. You could get mm-hmm. a 32-ounce souvenir, souvenir cup of cold beer for five bucks. Ooh, balling and, on the budget. And I and listen, we were we were in the parking lot. We were pre-gaming. We go into and our tickets were all separated. We had like two here, two there, two there. And so we'd have to pick one person, you know, and and I wind up sitting with one of my good buddies, frat but friends. And this guy was loaded before we even got into the game. By the fourth quarter, he was so drunk, he passed out sitting up. Like he's just <laughs> Out and and I'm like I'm trying to get into the game I'm I'm sort of managing him but I'm not because I'm not trying to get into that I'd had a few and I was good I don't know what's wrong with you man you need to you know cut it off then he wakes up and starts puking everywhere the people in front of us the people beside us the splatter and I immediately stood up and started walking away (laughs) that little crowd goes hey hey hey. What about your buddy? What kind of your friend? I turned around, looked straight at him and go, I met that dude four hours ago. I don't know who this is or what his name is. And no one told him he had to drink himself under the table. Oh, And then so I go back down because my buddy, I had a couple of buddies that played at Houston. So I go down like around the locker room where the parents and fans are, all that stuff. And they go, we're so, I don't even remember the guy's name. They're like, where'd so-and-so go? I go, oh, he's probably still up in the stand. Yeah. And my buddy who's this, in the same fraternity goes, well, why'd you leave him up there? And I go, go find out. Yeah, bro, yeah. that ain't my responsibility. That ain't, that ain't they serve those tall, tall, cold beers and those souvenir cups 20, that's 20, crazy. 25 years ago. And that's what Houston fans, you had to do. Oh, <laughs> if man. you were going to that game, hey. you had to drink a little bit. Buyer beware, man. That's good. Everybody just remember where you saw this and heard this. This is the uh, Wednesday Longhorn live stream, so tell a friend. <laughs> We have the, 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 the best stories on this edition of the Longhorn Live Show. Oh, I think that's going to wrap it up, everybody. We gave everybody a little extra here tonight, approaching an hour and 18 minutes. You heard a little bit of everything tonight, didn't you? Yeah, you so, did. Uh, yeah, man, yeah. this was fun. It's always fun. <laughs> we always have fun. This is the funnest broadcast going. It's the most that's popular. This yeah, right. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> At least we'll say that. Yeah, yeah, you can say it. Just say it. <laughs> if you say it, it's got to be true, right? Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm My name's Ray Peters. We're happy you joined us along with the lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers and recruiting guru Justin Wells. We're very happy you joined us tonight. Thanks so much for the Super Chats. Thanks for liking and subscribing. And uh, go over to Inside Texas, sign up. We'll see you back here next Wednesday as we get prepared for the Houston Cougars. Take care, everybody, and hook them. Hook them.